Voice at the Table provides practical information to ensure people with a cognitive disability have a real and equal voice on boards, committees and advisory groups. We do this by providing training for people with an acquired brain injury or intellectual disability and through a peer-led monthly meetup. We educate organisations and government departments to use inclusive meeting practices by providing training and resources. But most importantly, VAT tries to make the world a place where everyone is equal and can participate by being given supports they need to contribute the way they want. Our board is disability-led and our resources and training are co-produced and facilitated by people with a disability. Come check us out, voiceatthetable.com.au. We gather together today on this special place to continue our learning journey together. We are knowing the boy, the wrong, and boom, the wrong, people of the Kumar nation as the tradition producing of this land and waters of the place where we are recording this podcast and this sovereign had not been seen. We knowledge and pay respect to the oldest past and present and emerging. We also pay respect to the first Nathan, who are listening. We remember the self-advocates who have worked really, really hard over the years for the right for themselves and other people with disabilities to live in the community and for equality and human rights for all. Nothing about us without us. Welcome to that chat, Barriers. Barriers come in many different forms and to help me just to talk through all the different ways barriers can be removed, we have Cameron Bloomfield. Hi Cameron. Hi, how are you going? All right. Care to introduce yourself just so people know who you are? Yeah, no problem. Hi, my name is Cameron Bloomfield. I have an intellectual disability and I also work for VAT Training People to Run Inclusive Meetings, and I'm also part of Rainbow Rights Self Advocacy Group. So I've heard some really good things about Rainbow Rights, Cameron. Can you explain what Rainbow Rights actually is? Uh, yes, I can. Rainbow Rights is a, is a group for people with intellectual disabilities run by people with intellectual disabilities in the LGBTIQ community. We meet fortnightly to discuss issues and think of ways how to bring our message into the community. At the moment, we are meeting weekly on uh, Zoom. We also have participated in the St Kilda Pride March and also we've also had a stand at the Alexander Gardens uh, in the... Um, uh, the Midsummer Festival, I think. That, that's it, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Sounds like you're really busy with them. I think you do work on other groups as well i do but um i'll quickly um mention how you join rainbow rights you can uh, join rainbow rights by contacting um us either by phone or by um 
by our website, which all the details on there, which is uh, www.rainbowrights.com.au. You have to have an intellectual disability to join Rainbow Rights. You're listening to That Chat. I believe that you have a couple of examples of working groups and meetings that you've been part of. Can you tell us how they went and what was good and bad about them? Yes, I can. I've I've been in a lot of work, working groups before. Uh, at the moment, I'm a part of a dental health working group where our job is to get resources out for the dentists to know how to support people with intellectual disability. I work along with Inclusion Melbourne in that. We're talking about barriers today. And um, one of the things that constantly appears as a barrier is the uh, meeting organisers not asking people what supports they may need. And these can be in very different forms. You know, it could be having a support worker there, having ramps to get up the into the building. It can even be the information like we talked about in the information podcast. Why do you think it is important for meeting organisers to ask what supports are needed, Cameron? It's important for meeting organisers to ask what supports are needed because of... Um, they don't know the person who is coming to the meeting. So it would always be good for them to find out what type of supports they need if if they need if they need any like, you know. They they could be in a, as you said, they could be in a wheelchair. They might have trouble reading the emails, uh, they might need, you know, extra a bit of hands on support or, you know, um, even if it's like before the meeting or even after the meeting to debrief them, see if they understood the meeting, um, you know, always, you know, uh, to contact them to, to see what supports they would necessarily need, you know, um, in, in, in all this. Yeah, communication is the key. And it's, it's both a barrier and an enabler. Um, good communication makes meetings so much better and regardless of um, any cognitive issues anyone has. I mean, having good communication before a meeting makes the meeting run smoother once you're actually in it. You can find out more voiceatthetable.com.au What do you think some of the barriers are for people with a disability to be part of meetings? Well, it's depending on what type of disability they have. You know, say, for example, um, you know, you could get people with intellectual disabilities where uh, people with intellectual disabilities might have trouble reading or understanding all the jargon words people use out there. Then you could get someone, you know, um, someone, say, for example, who might be in a wheelchair and there's no wheelchair access at the front of the building, you know, because they've chosen this spot and they haven't rang up the person to find out what needs they are needed before the meeting you know so it's it's really depending what type of disability a person need has to what needs they might need so currently we're oh, on the tail end of some restrictions for covid and a lot of meetings have been done online using um 
tools like Zoom. And that's how we're recording this episode of that chat. But there are some issues and barriers there for people with a disability. Internet is not always a given for a start. Do you recognise any other sort of barriers that may be concerning online meetings? There, there are there are a few barriers. Like, say, for example, I'll just use uh, Rainbow Rights for an example. When we started to get online, um, we were lucky enough to get support from Saru by getting devices handed out to us. Um, but... Uh, when we first met online, there was big barriers, like um, people didn't exactly know how to hop on. Uh, they had trouble uh, knowing what link to click on in their emails. They had trouble with connecting the sound. You know, um, so th there are barriers depending on the person. Every, every person, with, an, say, for example, with an intellectual disability is different. There is not one person with an intellectual disability that is the same as somebody else. You know, say, for example, I've got an intellectual disability and I can, you know, manage to do things on the computer. My partner, who is part of Rainbow Rights, who has an intellectual disability, he's, he's a big computer nerd. We've got another member who, who, would, who has help from his support worker um, that gets connected to the meetings, you know, because he's uh, can't read and write properly or can't read at all, you know. So it's depending on what type of, you know, how, you know, that with the barriers, you know, it's a lot of uh, depending on the individual person of uh, and how to support them. So I suppose that leads into some very important questions around how you would remove those barriers. They seem quite obvious things to us, but we're in this little cocoon where we know that these are barriers to begin with, so we try and avoid them. But how would you help an organisation to remove barriers, especially along the lines we're just talking, especially with um, Zoom and online meetings? Well, the way... I sort of try and remove barriers is I would actually, if an individual is having trouble connecting to Zoom, I would hop on the phone to them while they're in front of their Zoom. I'll talk to them. Um, I, I'll call them half an hour before the meeting. Instead of sending that with, uh, say, for example, with Roman Rice, instead of sending the link out uh, a couple of days before, I just send the link out half an hour before the meeting because it's, that means it's the first link that they click onto if they don't know how to use like the diary invites and most of them wouldn't know how, sort of how to use that. So, um, you know, I just, uh, that, that's how I sort of, uh, I sort of uh, do it. Uh, like I'll work with the, with, with the group and call, call everyone half an hour before the meeting and yeah. Uh, so just some very basic ideas there about removing barriers. By using good communication. Yes. That's a great point you're making there, Cameron. And communication and information is uh, are closely tied together, especially when it comes to meetings and working groups. You know, we, we really delved into information in the last podcast. So we're just going to pop into that mindset again. And what are some of the 
information requirements that you may have, Cameron? Uh, say, for example, um, it, it, would, it would be good to... Uh, I use, say, for, for myself, I'll use a, like a diary invite. So I always ask the information, if, it, if you're not using the Zoom, send it to a diary invite. So it books it out of my calendar so I don't double book it. You know, things in the easy English and also have a phone number at the bottom of the uh, of your email so I can contact you if I have any troubles of understanding stuff you know um, so I've got can speak to speak to other speak to speak to other people um, speak to speak to you and also make sure if you're not available make sure there's like two contact numbers there so I can e either pick up the phone to either person and ask some questions you know so yeah nothing about us without us so information needs to be accessible as we know and you've highlighted a couple there that you really like and i like the way that you described how the you as an organizer of the rainbow rights meetings do certain steps to make sure there are no barriers do you, do you have any examples of other organizations that have have done that well for you and, and maybe what those steps were that were really good? Yes. Uh, well, um, there, there has been a, uh, like I'm a part of, um, as I said earlier, part of um, Voice at the Table and I, I'm a part of their steering group committees. So um, I, Amy, who who's the uh, organiser of Voice at the Table, she provides me with information. She also leaves a phone number at the bottom with maybe a picture as well so you know what she looks like. Um, yes, yeah, so she, she does that really well. You know, she she also texts me the morning of, of, say, for example, if we're doing a training, she texts me the morning to remind me that, look, we've got a training coming up or we've got a, uh, uh, you know, we've got a meeting, you know. So, yeah, um just, just to also remind me, she does that really well. Uh, I know, I know, Amy and the whole team at Voice at the Table really push the Easy English communication option and send it out to all graduates in that format, which I think is great. Makes it much easier for everyone to understand. Would you have any stories about other organisations, and you don't have to name them, of course? where they did not do this or where it was not done well? I do have one uh, organisation I won't name. Um, but this organisation, they sort of send the agenda out on the day. They cancel meetings last minute. Um, communication isn't good um, with us, you know, uh, so they're not communicating properly, you know. So and and it's all about the accessible information, you know. That when when I attended a meeting with them, they would be jumping all over the agenda, so they wouldn't stick from first point to second point to that. You know, it would be all over the place. So yeah, that was a really you know tough meeting to attend uh, because they they haven't had the like. The voice of the table training and it's they're unorganized mm. you're listening to that chat 
I think we've touched on those points as well in other episodes of this podcast where being prepared, um, making sure that you have all that information sent out nice and early, um, making sure that information is in accessible formats and, and according to the advocates' requests. And I know personally I don't like meetings being cancelled on the day. I'd much rather, you know, a day or two before. Occasionally there are mishaps, but generally, you know, if a meeting is going to be cancelled well beforehand. With, with communication, we'll just explore this a little bit more. What about the people you know, Cameron? How, how do they like to get their information and how do they like to be contacted? And why do you think they like to be contacted in different ways even? Well, it's uh, everyone likes to be contacted in different ways. Um, like the people I know, some of them like a phone call. Um, some of them do prefer emails. Um, you know, but you always got to ask them what way they prefer to be contacted. You can't just go out and assume uh, that they want to be contacted the way, the best way that you want to be contacted. You know, so yeah, you can't just assume. You can't assume anything. You know, because because um, if you assume something and you send something out to them, they might just ignore it and. Uh, you know, just ignore it because it's not maybe in easy English or um, there hasn't been a phone number attached to it or you haven't you haven't discussed with them how they want their information given to them. I think that's a, a great point you're making there, Cameron, that, that open communication between the organisers and the self-advocates is paramount all through the process of setting up meetings. And especially if they're going to be ongoing meetings, I think it's important that they maintain that level of clear communication all the way through. Nothing about us without us. Welcome to Backchat. In this episode, we are talking with Rachel Walters and... Catherine is also on our working group from New Wave. How are you today? We're good, thank you. Good, thanks. And what's your role at New Wave, Rachel? I'm the main leader of New Wave, and also um, we have to um, also teach other members how to do stuff like electronical stuff, like going on to face, uh, going on to Facebook, or going on to emails stuff like that and that's what we're doing at the moment that's fantastic and Catherine what else do you do at New Wave I am the other leader and I just support people in the office when we in the office and we we I do sometimes help with booking the guest speakers and and other things sometimes. That's great, Catherine, thank you. 
obviously the first question to ask is when did New Wave start? New Wave started in 2009, actually. <laughs> what are the things that New Wave do and have done in the past? Well, um, New Wave has done, um, gone to a lot of forums and conferences um, to explain what we do because we are people with intellectual disabilities and acquired brain injuries calm group. Um, we also help people with that group with, um, say, for an example, um, taking them if they haven't been on a train to teach them how to use a train, go on the train and go somewhere where they need to go somewhere. Um, we also help them if they need to, as a support person, going into court to can't do anything with the lawyers or a judge. That's what the professional advocates are for. Um, we just sit there and listen to what a judge would say to a client and explain it into their way of understanding what's going on if they don't understand what it means. If they want us to go with them to a doctor's clinic, we get the doctors to talk to them and not to us to treat them as an equal so they can understand. And I'll, if I don't understand what they're saying, I actually get the doctors to say it in easy English as well. Um, and whoever else helps them to do that as well. So that's the kind of thing um, New Earth has been doing for a long time. And recently we've been teaching this uh, our members how to use technology, like computers, laptops, iPhones and stuff, how to use Zoom, going to Zoom, emails, Facebook and stuff like that. That sounds great, Rachel. It sounds like um, New Earth really leading the way in regards to um, peer support, um, meaning that someone with a similar disability is helping you, which is great. I personally, I have a support worker who comes with me to my doctor's appointments and um, she's been a great help because otherwise I would forget what they say to me, you know, before I leave them, <laughs> before I leave the appointment. <laughs> So, Catherine, yeah. what are some of the hard things New Wave has done to, um, has had to face? What sort of things have been really difficult? Lo probably lockdown and not catching up with everybody in person lately and doing everything online at the start of the year and ringing everybody, that really been hard on our members. But lucky for us as P leaders, we just try to make it comfortable and make it easy to ringing and touching base and seeing how everybody is going yes the lockdown has been very hard for lots and lots of people i think um that model that new wave are using of that peer support it's one of the best going around at the moment if you wish to contact new wave we have a few ways for you to do that you can email them newwaveteam at gmail.com they have a very active facebook page so just look up new wave gippsland on facebook and the the website newwavegippsland.com 
we're running out of time here. So what we'll do is we'll stop our chat now and then we'll come back in the next episode and finish off with um, some great news stories from New Wave in the next episode of Back Chat. For now, we'll say thank you and goodbye and we'll see you again next episode. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Nothing about us without us. Welcome to Justin's Joke. A bloke walked into the doctor one day and he said to Justin, Doc, you've got to help me. I'm thinking I'm a breach. And the doctor said, well, what's come over you? And the patient said, well, two cars, uh, two bus, and, and a truck. Thanks to all the VatChat team and people who participated today. Our co-producers, Anne Van Leerdem and Warren Lorem. Special guest, Cameron Bloomfield, Rachel Walters and Catherine Bartlett for this week's Backchat. Our editor and composer, Dan Sullivan. The VatChat working group who steer the direction of VatChat. And last but not least, Justin O'Brien for Justin's Joke. VatChat podcast is part of the Voice at the Table training. Voiceatthetable.com.au